This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Our reading from the life of Jesus today picks up right where it left off last week in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Then Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of Jesus, were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we've heard you did at Capernaum. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in a prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months and there was a severe famine over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There are also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman, a Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, led him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built so they could throw him off the cliff. But Jesus turned and passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Empowered by the grace choir at the first service and the cherub choir at the third service. If I were a rich man, all day long, I If I were a wealthy man, so I get in a shower all the time. First time I've ever done it in public. <laughs> Truth is, uh, I do want to be rich, wealthy man. My hunches you do as well. I grew up wanting to be rich. Be really clear, uh, not like filthy rich, not like private jet rich. Uh, just. You know, just rich enough to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and not have to worry about what it cost. You know, like average rich. Just my initial strategy for doing that, um, and I don't think it was a good one, was I would uh, I would play professional football. Uh, played my heart out, blessed me with a lot of things, including a start of a good education recognizing the value of a team and how to accomplish those kinds of goals. But I never played professional football, and I never even finished college football. And I was convinced that I was not rich. I remember the first time that I felt uncomfortable because I was rich. Um, One of my friends came over to my home after school. My mother has always had the gift of hospitality. It's one of her big struggles in assisted living right now that she can't practice the same kind of hospitality with others. Uh, If you came to our house after school, you probably stayed for dinner. That that was how how she rolled. And uh, Kyle was my friend, a debate partner, came over and he said, Wow, your house is so big. 
are you rich? No, 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 I'm not rich. And about three weeks later, I went to Kyle's house, and I, I understood, by comparison, it was a big house, very big, and I was rich. And that is the root of the problem, I think. We, we talked about it last week. If you've got a car to drive, if you've got food in your refrigerator, your closet full of clothes, if you've got health care, you are rich. I mean, you're rich. Um, you might even just want to whisper to yourself, I'm rich, so that you start believing it. Um, but odds are you don't think you are. And so this week I tried to figure out, well, how can I get that message across? And, uh, you know, I'm not the most talented internet kind of guy, but I found this internet, brace yourself, it's called howrichami.com. You enter in the country that you're from, how many people live in your household, what your average income is after taxes. And so I did that. It turns out I'm definitely rich. I'm among the richest 1.3% of the world's population. Wow. And I want to let that sit there for a little minute because I'm pretty sure I'm not Bill Gates and I'm not Mark Zuckerberg. But I'm among the richest 2% of the world's population. And get this, my income is 36 times higher than the average, not the bottom, the average income in the world. I'm rich. And you are too. Which means that when the Apostle Paul instructs Timothy to talk to those in his present age who are rich, he's telling them to talk to Jim Wilson. Timothy is Paul's longtime partner in ministry. He's about to go out on his own and start his own thing. He's not going to start it, actually. Paul's been mentoring him to take over in a congregation, uh, emerging Christian community in a place called Ephesus. Um, Paul wrote a letter there, started the congregation Ephesians. It's currently in Turkey. It's a coastal seaport city. And Timothy's particular challenge is not to grow a church. Frankly, that's kind of a modern era uh, heresy um, It's not to grow the church. That was already happening. God was already doing that because people were so enthused and excited about this Jesus who welcomes and loves everyone and who has this power over death itself that they were just telling everyone and everybody was believing uh, they were reaching people with the love of Christ. And Timothy's challenge then was not to grow the church. Timothy's challenge was to equip the church to help Christian sisters and brothers in Ephesus make the connection between what they believed, which was that Christ has risen from the dead and that nothing can ever separate you from the love of Christ, and how they live their lives. And one place where there was definitely a connection, and still is, because Jesus says, wherever your money is, there will be your heart. One place where there's a connection is with money. And we've heard it now a couple of weeks. You've probably been reading it devotionally, but here's what he says. Uh, Paul said, hey, Tim, um, tell the people who are rich in this present age, uh, command them. Now, Paul only says that one other place in the New Testament, command them not to set their hopes on wealth, which is uncertain, but on God, who gives us everything for our enjoyment, and tell them that they are to... Do good, be rich in good works, be generous, and ready to share. And I would throw out today that I don't believe you can do those four things and not talk about money. 
My hunch is that we need to be commanded because you can be rich and not know it. You can be rich and not feel it. You can be rich and not act like it. In fact, there are a whole lot of rich people who aren't all that good at being rich, even in a church. And what's prompted us to do this series, once again, is to teach financial discipline as a spiritual discipline in your life. First is that our our culture incessantly tells us how we should get rich, how we should work to get rich, when in fact most of us got rich a long, long time ago and no one's bothered to tell us that. And secondly, the the reality is that that living for more is an unachievable thing. You can never really reach more because there's always going to be more. Uh, And so we do confuse our needs and our wants, and it becomes a trap that you cannot escape and does not bring us freedom, much less what Paul calls the life that's really life. So it's possible that one reason that we're not good at being rich is because nobody actually told us we were rich or taught us how we are to be rich. Which is why every year at Lord of Life Church, and I feel a whole lot of questions in the last week and a half, I'm trying to answer some of them today. It's why every year we talk about generosity. It's why we talk about financial stewardship. And it's why we're focusing this year on one brief passage. Every year we focus on a different piece of Scripture. We're not doing the same piece, but there's lots of passages in Scripture. And it's why we ask all of our members and invite everyone else to annually uh, examine your relationship with money and your relationship with God. And we do all of that so that we who follow Christ will experience the life that's really life and a life that's lived uh, confident in the generosity of God. So this whole series, the whole point of this series is to share the wisdom of Scripture with those of us who are rich and who maybe have not yet uh, gotten very good at being rich in the world. Now, some churches teach this um, as this. They, they teach it as share, save, and spend. And frankly, that's the right principle. That is it. But a Lord of Life, that sounds a little bit like, well, go out and love someone, but you don't, you don't say how you're supposed to love them. And so Lord of Life, we, we try to move from the principle to the practice, to the practical, and we just add some, some teeth to it, and we call it 10-10-80. Uh, give the first 10% back to God in recognition and thanksgiving for everything that God has done for you. Everything belongs to God, came from God, is going to go back to God. It's not to prove anything to God that you give back. It's not to earn anything from God. God's going to love you just the same either way. It's for you. Uh, it's, it's a freedom in letting go and letting God have control. And there's no one who could do a better job than God could in your life. And I would argue that it's a, a it's not a compassion exercise. It's not caring for others. It's a trust exercise, that first 10%. And, and secondly... Um, this is where it goes awry for a lot of people in a, in a rich culture like ours. It goes something like this. Well, I'm going to start with the 80 first. I'm going to live joyfully and confidently. And then when I'm sure that I have more or enough, then, then I will uh, share and, and save. And I, I just want to say that that rarely ever happens. It doesn't work that way. Um, 
Second, save the next 10%. Uh, be disciplined for the days that are coming ahead. Frankly, there's a generation gap, and even in this congregation, when you say uh, save, there's a generation of people that, that that's how they were raised. They didn't have to deal with a lot of debt. They got through college with mom and dad paying for it, and uh, they didn't have to worry about any of that. But if, if you're like 30, 35, 40, you're dealing with debt because that's how it works in the world. Um, and so don't take the first 10% because you're going to really need to trust God to get yourself through this stuff. But the second 10%, start using that second 10% to get out of debt. And then when you do that, then, then start saving so that you can, you can take care of things in the future. And then finally, and finally, knowing that God's in charge of everything, that you have been saving out of God's generosity, then just live joyfully and confidently and faithfully. Use everything else to the glory of God, but do it joyfully, not worry about anything at all. Uh, now, this is what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to prayerfully uh, process, faithfully discern. Um, this is one of the questions. Pastor, why do we always do this in January? And you, as you know me, I, I try to tell the truth. Uh, it's because right about now, uh, people are mailing you these things called W-2 forms. And so uh, if I asked you in July well, how much money you make, you may not know. But if I ask you in January, you got a little piece of paper. The government knows. You know this is how much, how much money you, you make. And if you're part of a household, we're hoping that you would sit down and talk about it with others in your house. Um, if, you're, if you don't think your relationship with money has anything to do with the relationship with those you love, you're, 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 not, you're not processing. If you don't think your relationship with God has anything to do, you're, you're, you're not processing. So it's really important to be real, to use real numbers. That's what 10, 10, 80 is. gives us a goal and something to work with. And then, and then ask yourself, what... What's holding me back from living as a rich follower of Jesus? And talk about what's holding you back. Talk about what's holding you back from sharing and spending and saving um, and get real. Now I want to stop there for just a minute because uh, this was the other question. Why are we only focusing on this one piece of Scripture? And I think the person was implying that there aren't any other pieces of Scripture or that maybe Jesus didn't say anything about it and Jesus had a lot to say about it. point when Jesus tells a story about a guy with a whole life was about building bigger barns and bigger barns and bigger barns. That's kind of interesting story. Just a phrase, bigger barns has become code word for something. Uh, You got a big barn, you need a bigger barn. Why? Well, because that's what you do. You get a bigger barn. And what the guy could actually say is someday when I have more, which is never going to get there, someday when I have more, then I'm going to eat and drink and be happy and tell my soul, you can take it easy. And Jesus' words were, you be a fool. Tonight, when life passes out of here, uh, it's all going to be gone anyway. And you could eat, drink, and be happy right now if you would just let go of the bigger barn. Another place, there's a story about a rich young person is focused on following God. That's admirable. But their view of God is his lawgiver, uh, righteousness, morality, and, and Jesus does a little quick check on that. But then Jesus says, you know, the right thing to do in this world is to let go of some of your stuff and start sharing it with other people. And he can't do that. So he walks away from Jesus. Ouch. Now, all I'm trying to suggest is that there really is a connection between faith and money. And that this isn't a fundraising series. We, this is a disciple-making series. We're trying to equip people to be faithful followers of Jesus in the world today, and especially people who, like us, are, are rich. We're going to ask you to do something. It's, uh, it's 
confidential. It's not binding. Uh, it's not tied to anything in our budget at all in this church. We're going to invite you to take a spiritual step into what Paul calls a life that's really life. We're, we're inviting you to be free. This week, all of our members, uh, and there'll be some other copies next week for a guest, are going to get a mail, a financial commitment card, and a one-page letter from me. Uh, Long-term members don't even need to read the letter. You know what the story is here. Uh, And this card looks different every year just because we put the logo on it, but it's the same information every single year. Got a place for your name that says, in response to my blessings, I commit the following gifts. And there's three places. It could be weekly or monthly or annually, whatever works better, how your flow of your cash life goes. And all of that's, that's helpful because that's going to be your target thing. But this is stuff I'm really excited in. It has five categories. I wish there were six. I wish the first one was, I've prayed about this and talked with people I love. But that's not on here. But the first one is, uh, check the boxes that apply. How many apply to you? This is my first financial commitment like this. This may surprise you, but every year there's people who check that box. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, second is, this is a, a regular, weekly, monthly kind of thing. Or third, this is proportionate. I, I've done something about in response to what God has given me. The fourth one is a step towards 10, 10, 80. I'm, I'm trying to get there. All of us have to take steps. You might not just be able to flip a switch and do that. And then the last one is, well, uh, this is more than a tithe. This is, this, I'm in a different place now. I'm so thankful. And I, I need you to know that people check all those boxes in this church. That's really, really exciting. And then uh, we're going to pray for each other this week. And what we're inviting you to do is to fill that out, to uh, take the card, put it in the envelope. We're uh, actually providing the envelope for you. Don't write your name on it. Just put it in an empty card. And then next week, and this is going to be kind of interesting, next week during the offering with like zero fanfare, this is the last time we're talking about money this week, next week's Transfiguration of Jesus, without any fanfare, during the offering, we just invite you to come up and put it on the altar. Now, next week we've got a couple baptisms. It's going to be an exciting day here at Lord of Life Church. Uh, we'll have guests and visitors. Um, that'll probably be a little weird moment for guests. <laughs> Sitting there, all of a sudden, everybody's carrying things up to the altar. That's maybe something they hadn't seen in a Lutheran church before. Um, next week, that's the idea, is to make that kind of commitment. The only thing that's going to happen with these cards, they're confidential. I began by saying that. The only thing that's going to happen is someone in the office is going to open them, and they're going to record two pieces of information. They're just going to look at the boxes that were checked because that helps us find out, is this actually useful? Are we actually helping anybody grow or not? That, that actually matters to us. And then the third is they're going to take whatever number you put in there and they're going to enter into the computer confidentially. And when you get your giving statement, you're the only one who ever sees that as well. It just lets you know what your target was, lets you know. There's never going to be a list of what people gave. No one's ever going to check up on it. No one's even going to say, how many of you, you know, we got a list, you didn't fill one of these out. That's not the point. Um, the point is helping us grow faithfully as disciples. A couple of random things I just, just wanted to finish with today. That same howrichami.com website had the cool little feature that um, said, well, what if I gave 10% of my wealth away? Then where would I rank? So I said, oh, this is big, this is big. I could... Guess what? Well, then I'd still be the richest 1.7% of the world's population. <laughs> I'd still be the richest 2% people in the world. And even if I gave 10% away, uh, I'd have more than 33 times the average global income. Uh, Anne's back in the nursery today. She was at 9 o'clock service. And with her permission, I share this. If we have any testimony at all, 
It is in the sheer goodness and the generosity of God. Um, it's absolutely impossible to give God enough thanks and enough credit um, for all the goodness that God has you. you. You cannot possibly outgive God in your lifetime. It's not possible. Um, and then I want to do a quick piece of teaching history in the church because sometimes we forget where the power comes from. Generosity and compassion um, were the hallmark of the first church. The hallmark. Uh, Long before there were creeds, long before there were dogma, long before there was an institutional church and doctrines and pastors and all of those things, there was a witness that Christ Jesus is risen from the dead and his compassion and his generosity lived out in the world is the way. It's the way. And I I know you Buckeye fans would call it the way. It's the way. And that spirit of generosity, not a great organization, not our great music, not our great worship spaces, that, that generosity captured the attention of their neighbors, their enemies, and the whole world. And what I want you to hear is that our spiritual ancestors outlived, outloved, outgave all the other religious competition that's, that's how the church responded. They knew that they were Christians because of their love. Yesterday we had a great church council retreat. Absolutely fantastic. We have a committed group of leaders at Lord of Life. Um, we went back to our five strategic stones, tweaked on those some more. Just a great time. And one of the things that we do in this retreat is we do something called SWAT. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And once again, a whole new group of leaders. Once again, under strengths, this phrase came up. Tangible spirit of generosity. What's the strength of Lord of Life Church? That we are a generous church. Wow. Having experienced God's extravagant grace, having experienced God's radical inclusion, having ourselves experienced God's relentless compassion, we just try to give back, to share all that God has given us to to others. And it's a humbling moment when you can see something that written on on a board. Um, And I want to finish this emphasis on being free with this one brief sentiment. Um, I could not be more thankful I could not be more appreciative of what your generosity allows this particular church to do. We're going to hear a couple more examples during sharing today. Uh, We have such freedom as a congregation because of the generosity of our members. And what we want in this series is to make sure that you're having that freedom as well. That that generosity is being shared with you. That this is your discipline as well. So we, we, we finish this series simply by saying, to God be the glory. May God bless you uh, this week as you discern. May God bless you this year. Uh, May God include all of us in a life that's really life. Uh, Amen.